Welcome back to the Girl Scout Troop Leader Experience podcast. You may have noticed that I marked this episode as explicit, and I wanted to give you a heads up that the reason why I did that is because we are talking about some kind of sensitive um, topics in today's episode. This subject matter is about cultivating safe spaces for girls, and I actually think this might be the most important interview I've ever done on this podcast so far. So I'm excited to share this with you, but I do know that many of you have shared in the past that you enjoy listening to this with your daughter, and so I want to give you that heads up. It's not that I don't think daughters can listen to this. I think that um, it should just be your informed decision about whether or not you share this with your daughter as some of the discussion points about what it feels like to be unsafe can feel triggering or scary or, I don't know, just sensitive. So I'm just giving you a heads up in your face as much as possible that um, that there are some sensitive topics discussed in this podcast and we do get into them pretty much right away. So This is your chance to pause here and listen yourself before listening with your daughter or to listen just on your own and you can choose to incorporate it with your daughter however you want rather than her actually listening to it directly. Anyway, without further ado, let's get into it. This for me is, um, and you guys know if you've been listening because I've touched on my own experiences with my troop in the past, but no one's going to be surprised. This is a very important conversation that um, I'm so excited to have. But yeah, anyways, I just met my guest. We're we're brand new to each other. So please go ahead, introduce yourself. Tell us, um, I don't know, who you are and a little bit about what you do. Let's start there. Yeah. Hello, everyone. Thank you for listening in. My name is Amy Hutton, and I'm coming to you from Calgary, Alberta, Canada. And I do want to make note and share that I am here on the traditional territory of Treaty 7, the Blackfoot people in here in Alberta and the Métis Region 3. And I like to share that because I wasn't here first. It was the Indigenous people that were here in Canada before I was. So just to acknowledge and make note of that. And I encourage your listeners to look at um, the traditional lands of where they're from and what land they're on. Might be a neat activity to do actually with your Girl Scout troop. So who am I? My name, as I said, my name is Amy. And, you know, growing up, I had those first day jitters of school, grade one, grade two, grade three. And then in grade three, it was noticed that I was having problems with my academics. And the teachers pulled my parents into a meeting and said, we want to put Amy into special education. We want to hold her back, segregate her, and she can finish up the rest of her elementary school years to grade eight during uh, in a special education class. My parents were like, Amy's been through a lot of stuff in her young, young years as a, you know, being born premature. And that's a story for a whole other day. And, you know, she's gone through some challenges and we don't want you to put her to special education. We want her to do the rest of the year, do everything else with her classmates. Yet what if we were to hold her back a year instead, keep her uh, in grade three again? But that's when the bullying started, Sarah and and your listeners. That's when, you know, I was called names that really hurt my heart and really hurt my spirit. And, you know, looking back on it now with the way I was treated by my peers and by the educators is that 
you know, they didn't see or acknowledge or even believe in my unique brilliance. And the names I was called hurt my heart. And, you know, I thought it couldn't get any worse when it did twice, once in grade five, when I was physically attacked by a group of girls and a group of boys on the playground. Um, girls asked me if I liked a boy. I didn't know how to answer, but I said yes, because I wasn't sure what was gonna happen to me. And they actually went to the same thing and asked a boy if this boy liked me, similar. He didn't know what to say, so he just said yes. And the next thing I know was we're being pushed and pulled and dragged towards each other. And then I was pushed down on the ground and he was pushed on top of me. And there was all these hands grabbing and, and hooting and hollering and I was crying. And you know, looking back at that, where was the teacher? I wasn't safe in school. And then it happened again in grade seven. Because I you know, had to repeat grade three, I um, developed my body faster than the rest of the kids in the class. And in grade seven, I was in a grade seven, eight split. And a kid came up behind me, a girl came up behind me, grabbed me by my bra strap in the girl's locker room and flung me around in circles and let go. And I went flying into the locker. And all I remember is the laughter of these girls, me crying and not knowing what to do because the teacher, when she finally came in the locker room, looked at me red in the face, but I couldn't tell her anything because I was so afraid. And the interesting thing about this whole thing too, is I was involved in Girl Guides at this time as a youth member. And as we all know, there's World Thinking Day, Global Thinking Day on February 22nd. And when I was growing up as a girl, we were all encouraged to wear our uniform, our full dress uniform to school. And I did. I was so proud of myself for being in Pathfinders. I was 13 at that point or 14. I was in Pathfinders and just so proud of being in this organization. So I wore my uniform to school on February 22nd. And I remember going into a washroom to use the washroom and I came out, you know, smoothed my, my skirt down and everything. And the kids all started laughing in the hallway. We were going somewhere and every, all the kids were laughing. And a teacher came out of the class and looked at these kids, looked at me and didn't say a thing, just told them to be quiet. And I like started to feel the heat and that sensation of I'm going to cry and I did. And I yelled as loud as I could, at least I have places to go and people to see after school. I just don't hang around at the mall every day. And the kids were dumbstruck for a moment and then the laughter started again. So, you know, school wasn't safe for me. And even in high school, when I graduated into grade nine, um, the bullying stopped luckily because I was a new kid in, a, we were all new kids in a big school, 2,500 students. And I wanted to be a lifeguard. And growing up when I was 13 and 14, I got to do these extra swim classes to do it. And I finally became a lifeguard when I was 16 and swim instructor. In my last year of high school, roughly there, I took a senior level course in biology. And one of the courses units in there was all about anatomy and physiology of the human body. Now, earlier in the semester, I went to the teacher for help because I was noticing I was having problems and I was starting to use my voice. And I said to the teacher on day, we'll say two of the class, I said, hey, sir, can I come see you after class? I'm having some problems. I, I want some extra help. He said, yes, fine, no problem. But then I, when I got to the class at the end of the day for the school, I 
when I was writing the homework, what he was telling me, he stopped me and he's like, Amy, you're left-handed. Yes, I'm left-handed. You'll never pass my class, is what he said to me. I was like, well, can I get a tutor? Because I knew I had one in math. So I knew, I knew tutors were a thing and I could get one if I asked. The teacher said, no, you can't get a tutor. You're, just, you're not gonna pass my class. The icing on the cake to this one is that he was the head of the science department. So I felt like I had nowhere to go. So all through my growing up years of elementary school and high school, especially in my elementary school days, that grade six, seven, eight, you know, I was 12 when I was physically attacked for the second time and no child should be that numb to that kind of abuse. Yet Girl Guides was there and they, I could go every week to my Pathfinder meeting and I was seen, I was heard, I was celebrated and I wasn't laughed at for opening my mouth. So that's my story and why I'm so passionate about the work I do now, which I know we'll get into in a little bit. Yet having kids feel safe at school and safe out in the community is a high priority for me. And I know that if it wasn't for being in Girl Guides, I have a really strong sense that I would not be here sitting talking to you right now. Mm. So that's my story, Sarah. Oh my gosh. Okay. So especially ending on that note, I mean, full, full body uh, reaction on my end. And I'm sure that there are so many people listening that feel the same. And I, um, my heart is so sore of thinking, you know, in your story, thinking of the girls that, that I know and I'm close to and love who are in those grades that who are those ages who are in those the middle grades in particular are so hard and the the sense of being unsafe and the sense of being alone and just wanting to wrap my arms around the child you that felt alone and felt unsafe and just like Oh my gosh. Okay. Anyway, I want, I'm so glad that you had a positive, safe place in guides. And that is absolutely everything about the space that I want to cultivate for girls. And I know that, um, that anybody listening feels the same, that creating that space to help girls through the hard stuff, because it is hard stuff. It is. Um, so on on that note, um, one of the things that I read about you before we got on this call together is specifically, um, I don't know if it's your um, kind of creation or if this is where this came from, but this um, the pillars to facilitate safe spaces. What is that? <laughs> what does that mean? And uh, yeah, can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so that's something I've created. And it's the five pillars to facilitating safe spaces. Yes, in school, because that's where I my aim was first. Yet others have said to me, you know, Amy, this program, this curriculum of facilitating safe spaces can be used, yes, in school, but also example in Girl Guides or Girl Scouts or church youth groups, or even, you know, thinking bigger picture like corporate. So like organizations and businesses, because safety is what is one of those core needs that everybody, regardless of your age, needs. In the Maslow's hierarchy of needs, safety is one of them. 
I forget where exactly it is in there, but I know it's in that uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. So the five pillars are all situated around recognizing the importance that safe spaces are needed, identifying how and why and who, the leadership aspect about you know letting it be, and I know I read this with uh, your the Girl Scouts of America or Girl, Scout, Girl Scouts of the United States um, about that being girl led, so kid centered or girl focused, letting the girl lead, um, and then safe spaces, which is like how do I, what does a safe space look like, and why is it needed. And then the last one is communication. And this goes into looking at your communication and also conflict resolution. And I teach the adults a technique about communication and conflict resolution within the curriculum. And it's really cool too, because the five pillars are also linked into values such as being brave and being bold and being vulnerable and kindness and compassion. Yeah, all so relevant and so important to what we do. And what you and I chatted about before we hit record, um, which of course I've been vulnerable about on this podcast before as well, is that I think one of the things that makes being a troop leader so such a big challenge is that um, yes, I mean, depending on where you are, like the training super inconsistent, right? So mm-hmm depending on where you are located, your training and your onboarding is going to look different. But even in a place of the best training and the best resources and support, there's just so many things that we aren't necessarily equipped to handle on day one of being a troop leader, right? Like, okay, here you go. Girls well-being in your hands, like, and go. Um, And also no matter how much experience you have, every single person in your troop is having an individual experience and they're going to continue to face unique challenges that then are unique things for you as the adult supporting her to, to try to help her through too. So no matter how long you've been a troop leader and no matter how great you are at the things that have come up, there's always new things. And so um, I think it, this is just so valuable to, to talk about with, um, with people like you who are doing this really important work um, to help us help what, like, okay, when you had this really positive experience with girl guiding at a time in your life where um, (laughs) you did not have that safety and security at school, what, what were some of the things about guiding that were safe for you? Like what, what were the adults doing? Well, what were the girls doing? Well, what, what made that safe? (laughs) Mm. Well, an image just came to mind of my Pathfinder leader and here in Canada, Pathfinders are between the ages of 12 and 15. And so my grade seven and my grade eight year, mostly was I was in Pathfinders and then grade nine and 10 as well. Um, But what Tracy did, and that was her name, Tracy Christodoulou, we, you know, we'd arrive and she always had a smile for us. She'd ask how are things. She didn't care if our uniform was untucked or our blouse was not ironed. Um, 
and our, our hair might've been a bit of a mess or our tie wasn't on straight and whatever. She didn't bother us with that. She's like, you're here and I'm glad you're here. Um, and a funny side story about the, the uniform that I used to wear as a girl and uh, a young adult member when I was in university, there's um, a designer by the name of Alfred Sung and Alfred Sung is very well known in Canada. And he actually designed the uniform for Girl Guides of Canada back in the late, I want to say late 80s, early 90s. So I had an Alfred Sung blouse and it was really cool to have it. I wanted to make sure it was always straight, but that didn't always happen. Um, but Tracy would just, you know, welcome us in and she would let us talk and she would, you know, guide the conversation. And like, I remember one night she picked me up from home because we must've been going somewhere for a special event or whatever. And I, here in Canada too, there's something called the kids help phone and it's still a working telephone number today. It's a 1-800 number where kids can call to get help, to get support, to talk all hours of the day, every day of the week. And I remember spouting that number off and I still remember it to this day. It's 1-800-668-6868. And I spouted that off from the front door when Tracy came to pick me up. And what happened next, I don't really remember. And I don't remember why I said that number because my mom was in the hallway as well. And Tracy just like jumped on my head, put her coat over my, my head and whispered in my ear, if I ever need to talk to somebody and I'm thinking of calling the kid's help phone to call her first. So she made me feel safe and heard and seen and supported. So, so good. Um, so on that note, I think, you know, from the story that you shared of your personal experience, the, the lack of safety started young. And so that the example of, um, of Pathfinders being a safe haven for you, um, the littler version of you, mm-hmm. what, what can, where should volunteers start for the little ones? What do we do? <laughs> What's step one? Smile, <laughs> um, <laughs> be, be welcoming, um, you know, acknowledge their feelings as well, because the littler ones, like the sparks, and I, I think they're called rainbows and Girl Scouts, I think, or daisies, daisies, daisies. Daisies. Mm -hmm. Um, they, they might have a little fear, like maybe they go to kindergarten, or they're in grade one, but maybe they don't, they've never been away from mom or dad in the evening, and this is all new to them, so, you know, acknowledge their feelings, connecting with them, and not necessarily pushing them to come join the circle or join the, the yeah, the beginning of the circle part of your meeting, you know, just be very aware of those kids that might be a little bit more shy and a little bit more hesitant. And maybe you need to have a couple of extra leaders or troop leaders, um, ranger leaders, like older girls coming to help on those first couple of uh, weeks, just to help get them settled in. Like I know I was, when I was in Pathfinders, I actually helped in a brownie unit, which was good because I was able to help some of the shyer kids, or there was a girl who actually lived with Down syndrome that was in the brownie unit. And they're like, okay, Amy, she's yours. (laughs) On top of all the other things, as a, a junior leader helper, Pathfinder helper, 
you get to look after her because she's going to need extra help. So my suggestion is, you know, be welcoming, be open, be connected, validate their feelings, acknowledge their feelings, and maybe have some um, older girls, like in the senior branch, the 15 to 17 year old age category in Girl Scouts, come and maybe help out for the first couple of, of weeks, just to get them feeling secure and centered. And, and if the um, Daisy and the Daisy's parents ask for that support to be there the whole time, then maybe talk to the, the, the senior branch or the ranger who's the 15 to 17 year old and say, hey, would you be, is it possible for your schedule? Can you come and actually help us out for the whole time? And what do you think are some of the big mistakes that maybe perfectly well-meaning adults make when they're trying to support girls who are going through all kinds of things? Uh, rushing, rushing to get to the solution and, uh, lots of different things, even with a little bit of the older, so like that middle school age, especially if they're, if the girls are starting to question, are curious, are realizing and ready to say that maybe they're bisexual or maybe they're they're only attracted to girls, maybe lesbian. Maybe they feel that they're actually, you know, the term is gender fluid. And maybe what unit leaders could ask at the very beginning, and I don't know about, I, I don't know how the forms work to enroll as a Girl Scout or a Girl Guide for that matter, actually. Um, but maybe there's a space on there to put the pronouns of what the young girl would like. Maybe it is he, she and her. It might be she, her, and they, them. So it's, and it's honoring making that safe space, making that child feel welcome that they can still come to the Girl Scout troop and be addressed in the pronoun that they want. Yeah, yeah, I think that's great. Um, so I did not take notes because I'm the worst. Um, tell me again, what was the first pillar? Recognize. Recognize. Okay. Tell me, tell us, not just me, <laughs> tell all of us, tell me really, what does that mean? And that's, how do we, what does that, how do we do that? Well, what does that look like? Yeah. That's recognizing that. Oh, that this space is needed that we need to have this safe space and recognize maybe even recognizing those who might need it more although you're creating it for your whole entire troop yet maybe there's one or two girls that are standing out and recognizing that the reason why you're doing this safe space and please troop leaders moms your listeners please know I'm saying this with love. And we all know very true that sometimes home life or school life or both are not safe. So recognizing the importance that we need to make the Girl Scout troop area a safe space for this girl to come to. And as one of the an amazing author, Brene Brown says, you know, so the kids can take off their armor and just be kids and not worry. Yeah. And so I think 
you know, you touch on two really important things, right? Like on the one hand, it's for all girls. It's creating this safe space for all girls because you don't know what any everybody's carrying or up against. And also people can become unsafe at any point in time and creating the safe space so that when, when they need it, it's there. But then also there are girls that we may know, we already do know that they, that this is something that they are missing in their, in other parts of their life um, or maybe in every part of their life. And so in situations where we already know that there's a girl who's carrying a load way heavier than, than anybody should have to carry, especially a child, mm-hmm. what, what are some ways, and this is so hard because obviously it's going to be situation specific, but what are some like strategies or tips for an adult volunteer, especially somebody who's never faced what that girl is up against? It can feel like this is a landmine, right? So uh, what do we, what do, what are some strategies to be mindful to recognize that those needs? Yeah, there's a So one of the the hats that I wear is I'm actually an emotional CPR educator and emotional CPR is a program to help people, all people, even the little guys through an emotional crisis. And the first thing in the emotional CPR course is learning about connection. So to your Girl Scout leaders or parents listening, you know, connect with the child, connect with that girl. And if she's sitting off in the, I'm thinking of a gymnasium because that's where my girl guide, my girl guide unit and brownie unit was, you know, if there's a young girl, excuse me, sitting off by herself and not really engaging in like, because I know growing up when I was in girl guides, you would arrive at say 6.30, but the meeting didn't really start till 6.45. So there was that in-between time of just like free play or free doing whatever. And if there's a young girl sitting by herself and seeing very drawn, withdrawn from everybody, like maybe, you know, put down the program book, put down the craft item that you're working on or the, the challenge work that you're working on and just go sit down beside her. And, you know, if she's breathing we'll say breathing heavy or just breathing differently, like match her breathing and say, you know, I, I'm sensing that I'm sensing frustration or I'm sensing sadness, like sit down with her and just connect in with her. And what are you feeling in your own body that you can relate back to her and tell her that, Hey, Oh, I'm feeling my, my, my chest is really sad. or I'm feeling really sad in my heart. Um, and then sit quiet and do not say a word. And quite possibly she might start to open up. Or if it's an activity, um, when I do work with um, youth one-to-one privately, I get them to draw. And, you know, drawing helps children express what's going on. So get out the piece of paper and the marker with you, the, the young girl and draw alongside with her and talk about the drawing that you're doing because she's going to tell you a story through that drawing that she's doing that something might be going on. That's, as you said, they're carrying that weight or they're carrying something. And another suggestion that's coming to me to say to the young child, the young girl is, you know, I can, 
I can sense that there's you're upset about something because I'm feeling upset for you. I'm going to sit here with you or we can go into out to the hallway. For example, if it's in a school, we can go out into the hallway and I'm just going to sit with you. And, you know, I don't know what you're going through. I don't know how to help you yet. I'm going to sit here with you and we're going to figure it out together. And watch again, just watch and listen and follow her cues because she might open up and say something that may shock you. And if that's the case, take a breath and acknowledge and thank her for sharing that with you. Because again, you're validating her feelings. Oh man, I'm so glad that you went there with, she may say something that will shock you because that does absolutely happen, right? And in Mm -hmm. some ways, it's a shock just that she chooses to tell you, right? Mm -hmm. Like sometimes it's just a shock that you actually made the connection and you got there. And it's like the content isn't necessarily the shocking part. It's the sharing that's shocking. And sometimes the content is shocking, right? Like, and, and it's a huge blessing in those moments that you've created a connection with this girl where you're an adult who she trusts and believes that she can depend on and Mm -hmm. rely on. And that's so beautiful. And it's a reminder of like, this is why we do what we do. But then also it's, um, it's tough because then you have to figure out how to be friend and support system and role model and mentor and responsible adult. And you have a responsibility, not just to her, but also to her parents right or guardians and so that is a weird dynamic or dilemma and especially as we get into um girls getting old enough to carry on and have uh different types of friendships and relationships with other people including themselves but also their friends their peers what they're hearing um -hmm. i remember um one shocking conversation that i think i've referenced on this podcast before that i overheard my middle schoolers talk about um i had actually gone to fill up my drink and so it was on zoom and so they were talking freely and I could hear them but I wasn't by my mic right I had walked away from my computer and they started talking about um a classmate who had sent uh naked pictures to a a boyfriend and then they broke up and that boyfriend spread them around school or ex-boyfriend spread them around school these were young middle schoolers. I mean, that's shocking. Right. And in that moment, you first of all are shocked at the content because they seem too young to be facing these problems. Second of all, you have this responsibility to them of like, I want to support you through this and be good, a good, good everything to you in this moment. But third of all, you're, you're of course thinking anything that gets that I say, anything that happens, this is going back to the parents and Mm -hmm. what, what responsibility do I have to the parents and what responsibility do I have? How's this going to be retold? Right. Because it's not just how you would retell it. It's how the girl's going to retell it when they Mm -hmm. tell their parents that this conversation came up and it's like a lot, it's really shocking and it's really overwhelming. And I think like that first step of take a breath, is so good, (laughs) but what else in those moments? And obviously that's a very specific example, but like, whatever the thing is that's shocking, you take a breath and then you thank them. You said that. And then you thank them, especially if it's hard to hear positive or negative. 
And, you know, thank you for trusting me is another one, another good sentence to say, you know, thank you for trusting me. Um, you know, just ask them to tell you more. And you as the guide leader, troop leader, um, this is your opportunity to, as a business teacher person, a friend of mine years ago said, he's like, amyzipit.com. Like literally do not say anything. Zip your lip and just let the child or the girl say what she needs to say. And always touching back into what you are feeling and you're sensing in your own body and relaying that to her. Um, you know, I'm gonna share two statistics with you. Actually, I have three in my head at the moment, so they're all coming out at the same time. All right, so um, here in Canada, I've taken some courses on the prevention of suicide. And I've taken two courses specifically about this prevention of suicide in children that are under the age of 14 and youth who are between the ages of um, 14 and 19. And when I was taking the child prevention of suicide course, and this was for kids under the age of 14, in, 19, no, in 2018, this is the, the most recent statistic, in 2018, children under the age of 14, 48 of them, 48, yes, 48 of them died by suicide. And the leading cause of death of children under the age of 14 in 2018 is suicide. And this is over cancer and over those accidental deaths. So when a child, a girl comes to you and shares something shocking or shares something that they want to tell you, stop what you're doing and listen. Um, and I also learned in this course too that the um, child or the youth or the older youth chooses their safe person to talk to. So if they've come to you as a troop leader to share XYZ about what is going on in their life, they're choosing you. And your role in that moment is to listen and steer them to safety. And also acknowledge and validate and say though, that you as that guide leader, that troop leader, you need help to help them. And I do need to go tell your parents or another trusted adult because me as the adult, I need help in this situation to help you. And the other, the third, the third statistic, sorry, third statistics I wanna share with you is before we came on the, the air, today I was telling Sarah about the kids help phone and there is a statistic that came out in 2020 that in March of 2020 just when the pandemic hit the kids help phone call volume went up by 350 percent and the number one reason for kids calling to talk was they felt isolated and they were having mental health struggles so I don't want to share those to frighten you or to alarm you, yet I do at the same time. So you as a girl guide leader, a troop leader, volunteering your time to work with the future leaders of the world, I, I take my hat off to you. I celebrate you. I thank you. I honor you. It's a 
big responsibility and to have tools and and tips like this podcast that Sarah that you have for your audience is is a diamond is a gem and I, I hope they're finding value from our talk tonight Oh gosh, thank you for saying that. And while you were sharing those statistics, once again, I was having a full body reaction to this. Um, oh man. Okay. So I, I know that we're, we've been talking for a while and I want to respect your time. Um, but one more thing that I wanted to, to talk about related to the pillars is you mentioned communication and then specifically conflict resolution. And I have a background in conflict resolution. I have two bachelor's degrees and one of them is in conflict resolution. And so when I used to work for my local Girl Scout council, one of the hats that I wore was conflict resolution. It was mediation. And so I got all kinds of phone calls from (laughs) parents and volunteers and, you know, all kinds of conflict comes up. And so what there's there's kind of two, I feel, or maybe even three sort of main areas of conflict that I feel like come up for um, troop leaders. One is uh, kind of girl-to-girl conflict, mm-hmm. and they're the adult who should get involved in the ways that the adults in your life did not get involved. Mm-hmm. One is, of course, um, adult-to-adult. Mm-hmm. So, um either troop leader to troop leader, if there's multiple, you know, co-leaders that are, are struggling to get along or to, to go about things in an agreeable fashion. And of course, um, with parents too, or parents Mm -hmm. or guardians, um, there can be conflict that can Mm -hmm. come up and then there's girl to adult, right? So, um, having an actual conflict as the adult involved or witnessing another adult involved, having a conflict with a girl, whether it's Mm -hmm. her mom or not. Um, and so, I think in general, with it in mind that those are kind of the three main areas that we're experiencing conflict, seeking resolution. Um, Do you have any kind of, I guess, for sake of of respecting your time, um, any quick tips or tricks or strategies from a communication and conflict resolution standpoint um, regarding any of those? (laughs) I do. And this works with what you said, all of the above. And it's really simple. And when I've been brought into, I've, I've been brought into brownie units and girl guide units to do badge work or challenge work with them. And this area of conflict resolution always comes up. And I teach it in a very simple way. And it's called, it's a one word and it stands for something. It's the word salt. It stands for stop, ask, listen, talk. So stop what you're doing. Ask a question. Listen to the response. And then talk. So the example I I use a lot of the time is, you know, if a girl says, "Your, your shoes are ugly. Okay. Stop what you're doing. Look at the girl who said that called that said your shoes were ugly. Ask a question. Why are my shoes ugly? Then listen to the response. Oh, I just don't like the color blue. T talk. Have a conversation and talk about it. And it's so simple. 
and I've done it with many different organizations and, and groups as well. I did it with a group of um, adults who all lived with developmental disabilities and sometimes a physical limitation as well. And I used the idea and I, I said to the whole group, I said, no, I'm not picking on you. I'm not doing this to be mean. I'm just doing it as an example. One of the people who walked into the classroom when I was doing this seminar did walk funny. And I knew we had, I knew he had cerebral palsy or lived with cerebral palsy. But in this example, I said to him, I'm like, you walk funny. So we did a scenario around that. And so the individual had to stop and ask me back, why do you think I walk funny? And I, whatever I said, I said back to him. And then we talked about it and had the conversation of him explaining that, oh, I live with cerebral palsy. That means my muscles don't always work right. And I do walk differently because of it. So it's a communication tool. It's a conflict resolution tool. And the really cool thing that gets me all tickle pink is when I taught this to a brownie unit, I found out later, a week or two later, because I was friends with uh, one of the guiders and she said to me, she goes, Amy, so-and-so Brownie's parent came to me and said that her daughter was teaching her other daughter who was like three years old, four years old, like not even spark age, this whole concept of salt. So it's that simple for a Brownie who's five and six, who's six and seven years old can teach it back to her sister who was four. So that's my tip. Yeah, that's a great one. Okay. Two wrap up questions. Mm -hmm. One is, um, is there anything that maybe we haven't had a chance to talk about that you just really think adults who work with girls should know about creating safe spaces, but we didn't get a chance to talk about it yet. <laughs> just know that there's a really good possibility that you are going to be their safe space. You're, you are going to be their safe space, that they are coming to you and maybe there's stuff going on at home or stuff going on at school or, and just be always open and welcoming and uh, just be happy that they're there. There is a, I think her name is Toni Morrison. She's an author. Oprah interviewed her many, many, many years ago. And she wrote, wrote a book, one of her books, I guess. And I still remember to this day watching that part of the interview. And the Tony said to Oprah, do your eyes light up when the child enters the room? They don't want to worry about, is my hair a mess? Is my shirt untucked? Am I, is my, you know, do I look messy? No, it's, do you see me? Do you hear me? Do my words matter to you? And can you celebrate me, please? That's what these kids, that's what all kids, people in general, that's what all people want and deserve. Oh gosh, what a good reminder. Like that just, it's like such a good pulls me back, right? To the <laughs> point. <laughs> oh man, so good. So good. Okay. So finally, um, tell us where can we follow you, find you, what resource, you know, what, what resources do you have that you're really excited to offer that, um, that we might be interested to, to check out and support you? 
yeah, learn more so, from you. <laughs> yeah, so folks can find me on LinkedIn. You search for Amy Hutton, A-I-M-E, and then Hutton is H-U-T-T-O-N. My um, title, I guess, on LinkedIn is that I'm an LGBTQ2S plus youth mentor. I mentor young teen youth who are part of the LGBTQ2S plus community and helping them to navigate everything. Like I remember when I came out to myself in 2018, how lonely I felt. And I was 42 years old. So I mentor young youth in being okay with being themselves and loving themselves and, and, and more. That's one way you can find me on LinkedIn and that's what I, I do for Instagram. I'm on Instagram of IBI Empowerment or inch by inch in power, one of the two, <laughs> I'm there. Uh, if you were in Facebook, you can search for inch by inch empowerment. That's the business page. If you want to join a safe and private community for adults, for parents or caring adults like yourself, who is a troop leader, who wants to join a Facebook community to connect about young teen mental health, specifically in the LGBTQ2S plus community. Look for inch by inch empowerment community, answer a few questions and you're in. Those are some ways how to find me if you are a troop leader. And, you know, I've been saying it for we're almost going to two years now, you know, have Zoom will travel. I can come to your troop and do presentations about conflict resolution. If you send me your badge work or your challenge work, um, uh, what you want me to cover that is around the self-improvement, that self-esteem, that self-appreciation of knowing who they are, I, I am more than happy to come via Zoom and do a presentation for you. And I feel for some reason, Sarah, I need to clarify the alphabet that I just said. <laughs> for any listeners who might be going, what did Amy just say? So LGBTQ2S plus stands for lesbian, gay, bisexual, LGBT is transgender. See, I have to do it. T is transgender. Q is queer or questioning. Two and S is for two spirit, which is indigenous for the indigenous population they have their language they call uh, folks to spirit and then the plus is just a plus sign meaning there's more to the alphabet of the queer community and there's many more alphabet letters and i don't say them because i know i will forget something so i just add the plus on the end so and if anyone has any questions and they want to book time with me to talk i'm offering you know 30 minute free uh, phone consultation or Facebook Messenger video or Zoom, you can just send me an email, amy, A-I-M-E, at inchbyinchempowerment.com. So great. Thank you so much. And yeah, I think um, explaining it is always helpful. I think the the more information, the better. And um, I just love how you approach so much about this, even from the very beginning when you shared where you're from and, and taking a deeper dive into who was there first. I think, you know, it's, um, it feels like this is just 
so um, aligned with what the Girl Scout organization is trying to do as far as creating inclusivity and safe spaces for girls. And part of that maybe is a little bit because I'm in Arizona in the U.S. And so we um, maybe spend a little bit more time than a lot of parts of the country talking about um, who was in the United States first. And so, yeah, anyway, um, but then also going so far as to include um, an explanation of the, um, the abbreviation, the alphabet, however you want to think of it. Um, so I just, I just appreciate you and thank you for spending time with me today. And thanks for talking about some hard stuff and for being so vulnerable in sharing your own story with not just me, but with a bunch of, of people in my community. And so, um, as we talked about before we hit record, I do believe that vulnerability is a gift and I, um, I'm honored that you felt called to share that with us. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be on your your show today. And if I may leave your listeners with something I always end my uh, Facebook lives with is be brave, be bold and be yourself.